So good to see everybody here this morning. Um, I don't know if you all know, but it snowed last week. A little bit. I don't know. I, I think on my fence, it was like this much. This is still a bit, yeah, okay. Uh, all right. Well, why don't you all turn with me in your Bibles to, uh, let's see. Turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 14 to 15. I, I know I had mentioned last week, and a couple of, a couple of you came up and asked about, uh, this is uh, phase two of our outreach that we're doing here at, uh, at Central. And like I said, um, things have changed uh, since covid I, and one of the things that we need to do as far as uh, reaching out to our community, uh, we uh, have to be, have a presence on uh, social media. I mean, that's just the way things are going these days. And if uh, you're just not on social media, you're just, it, it's almost as if you don't exist anymore. Uh, so we are actually doing phase two, which is, a, uh, which is the video series that we're doing. So we released music. We're, we're reaching out uh, in the music right now just to let you know that on one platform on our music ministry right now, we're already over 40,000 uh, gospel presentations. So I am praying that uh, we can get to, gosh, I don't know why we wouldn't. We're just, we need to pray that we get to 100,000 before the year is up. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? I told everybody that if we get 100,000 gospel presentations, um, I'll, I'll have a party at my house. Okay? No alcohol, though. Um, <laughs> okay, so yeah, Donna says, okay, I'm going to come. All right. Um, so what we did is now we have, we're phase two. And so what we're doing right now is we're doing like Facebook Reels, Instagram Reels. We're actually on TikTok. I'm not saying for you guys to get on TikTok. TikTok is very inappropriate, which is really odd because here's the thing. I'm on TikTok and we're doing one minute theological videos or I, I talk about scripture or talk about theology. I talk about some hot topics and all of these types of things, 15 second videos, those kinds of things. And you would think that TikTok is inappropriate as that app is, <laughs> you would think that we wouldn't be doing well on that at all. Do you know that TikTok is actually our best platform? It's the funniest thing. It's like you watch an inappropriate video, you scroll up, and there's my face talking about Jesus. And then right after that, you scroll past, and there's another inappropriate video. <laughs> but, but, but family, we are getting thousands of views and, and comments, and we're actually able to engage uh, with some of the people. So the other thing, too, that we're finding is the engagement that we've got is people all over the world. So this is what's absolutely amazing to me. We've started an outreach. We're reaching out to Colorado, and we're actually not reaching Colorado. We're reaching the world. <laughs> It's, it's absolutely funny. Um, but we are praying that God will help us. I was talking to some of the, the, the people here this morning about how, you know, Colorado is just one of those cities that's, you know, that's low. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. But, um, but right now, as it stands right now, our best city in America is Chicago. Amen. Wow. So I was, I was hoping Frank was going to be here. But Donna, you can tell Frank. I wanted Frank to, to know that the number one city that, that Central Baptist Church is reaching out to right now is Chicago. Our number two, Los Angeles. Right? So, so we're doing it. Um, somebody had brought up, wow, the, the violent cities. It's all the violent, all that stuff. That's a, hey, you know what? Violent people need Jesus too. All right. So... Uh, we're reaching out. We're doing a lot. So thank you, guys. Uh, the more uh, prayer, the more support, you know, uh, uh, the, the outreach, the music ministry support, anything that you guys are doing, we are absolutely out there, and we are reaching uh, the world for Jesus. And uh, we're going to, uh, we want to continue to do that because we're seeing some really good, uh, really good fruit. Um, and it's amazing. It's amazing to me just how many people don't know Jesus. In this world, it's I, I say things to some of the people, and I'm shocked that they say this is the first time I've heard this. It's like wow, you know. I think I think sometimes we get into this evangelical bubble in the church bubble too much that we don't really know what's really happening out there in the world. 
And man, they are the, the, the gospel is so needed. The gospel is so necessary. And so God is looking to his people, his remnant. He's looking to us, Central Baptist Church, to be the people that will stand unashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Now, I'm not telling you guys to go out there and to go look at my videos. And, and, and you know, the, the reality is, is that they're, they're people that are mean. I don't know. They're just, they're, they say some mean stuff online. I don't need you guys going over there and defending me, even though I really want you to. We don't need to do that. What we need to do is we need to make sure that we're displaying love, charity, and standing behind the gospel of Jesus. Let's let God do his work. Our job is to plant the seed, right? I mean, it's why I talk about gospel presentations all the time. That's what we're in control of. I am in control of letting an individual know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing you will have life in his name. I'm in control of that. You know what I'm not in control of? Changing the individual's heart so that they will believe. That's God's work. So we, are, we need to be faithful in doing our work in making sure we're proclaiming the gospel and we just sit back and watch God do his amazing thing. And family, it happens, right? I'm sure we all got testimonies that we could testify of people who, you, you ever have that one individual in your life? I know all of you, especially if you've been a Christian for a while, I know you have this one individual in your life where you talk to this individual. It's like, it's most of the time, it's a family member. It's like one of your cousins or your uncle, where it's just like, you know what? You are never going to be a Christian. I mean, it's like that person is so hard, that person is so turned off to God that you wonder whether God could even transform that individual. It's like, I don't, I don't even think God is strong enough to change that person's heart. And you know what happens all the time with this? One uncle, for my case, it was my grandfather. My grandfather was, was so turned off to Jesus, wanted nothing to do with Christianity. And one day, Shane, I give you permission. You can preach to me. For real? So I, 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 was, I was quick on that, man. I was just like, let me tell you about Jesus. Okay, let's baptize him. Come on, come on. I mean, I, was, I, 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 I saw this as, I didn't know how big that window was. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so I jumped in there and baptized him, and I was stuffing communion down his throat. I mean, it was just, yeah, I wanted to make sure. But God, it, there is nobody. After I saw that with my grandfather, with my cousin, there's nobody in this world that God cannot touch, that God cannot reach. So let's be faithful in preaching the gospel. All right. Uh, okay, let me get off the preaching box and let me jump on another preaching box here. Colossians chapter 3, verses 14 to 15. There's an old story. Many of you probably heard this because it's a famous one. From the Salvation Army uh, that they tell in the last, the last century, they tell of a strong-willed woman who they actually nickname. Warrior Brown. You guys remember this story? It's a great story. Warrior Brown. She was nicknamed Warrior Brown because she had a fiery temper. She was often belligerent and became enraged whenever she got drunk. Then, so she was an angry drunk. How many angry drunks we got in? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Then one day, she became a Christian. Her entire life was wonderfully changed by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. At an open-air meeting a week after she became a Christian, she told everyone what Jesus had done for her. Suddenly, a scoffer stood up and threw a potato at her, and it caused an actual bruise. Had she not been converted, the congregation will say, she would have lashed out at that man furiously. It would have been all bad. God's grace, however, had made such a profound change in her conduct that she quietly picked up the potato, put it in her pocket without saying a word. Huge, right? Watch this. No more was heard of the incident until the time of the harvest festival came months later. Then the dear lady, who had been known as Warrior Brown, brought as her offering a little sack of potatoes. And she explained after the open-air meeting that she had cut it up and planted the insulting potato. 
And what she was now presenting to the Lord was the increase. Warrior Brown had allowed the peace of Christ to umpire her life. This is, this is amazing. This is a, such an amazing story because a lot of times we celebrate the fact or we feel a victory when somebody does something insulting to us and we're just able to hold it together. And then we get home and we're like, oh, thank God, thank you so much for keeping my mouth shut. And we see that as victory. And you know what? That is absolute victory. But here's the thing that we see when it comes to our Lord. It's not just a matter of getting the slap on the cheek. It's what the Lord is able to turn that slap into. The increase that we have when we allow the peace of Christ, the peace that transcends all understanding to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of Christ is to be apparent and, and to be full in our lives. As Christians today, we're living with peace, the peace of Christ running our lives. See, and here's the thing. I guarantee that when this is our disposition, when this is really happening in our lives, it is the most freeing and restful place we will ever be. Amazing. When we just rest in the peace of Christ. When we just finally let go and trust in the Lord, leaning not to our own understanding, but in all our ways we acknowledge him and he will make our paths straight. But did you know that before, we, we quote this in, in Proverbs 4, we, we quote this all the time, but did you know that what he says actually before that is very, very instrumental to understanding the trust in the Lord passage? He says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Loyalty and kindness Think about the body of Christ, modern evangelicalism today. Loyalty and kindness. It says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Our loyalty that we have to one another. How far does that go? Does it go at all? Tie them around your neck. Write them deep within your heart then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. Loyalty and kindness. It's amazing. Loyalty and kindness, allowing the peace of Christ within our hearts. Because here's the thing, when it comes to loyalty and kindness, one of the things that you see when, when, I, when I talk with individuals, we talk about loyalty, we talk about kindness, we talk about this. One of the things that I find that's common with individuals that struggle with this is there's a war raging in their heart. Their desires are just, just a constant war that's happening within them, and they just don't know how to rest. So because they don't know how to rest, it's hard for them to be loyal. Here's the other one. Because the war is raging within them, it's hard for them to be kind. It's amazing how disloyalty, unkindness, all of these types of things stem from individuals, for us, from Christians, us not having the peace of Christ within our hearts. To live with the peace of Christ in our hearts is to find that when that happens, that we are loyal, we are kind, and we are displaying true peace in church community. No more warring in the church no more hostility in the church. No more divisions in the church. See, and this is a clear problem in evangelical churches in our culture today. I mean, I, 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 will, I will do like pastor's conferences. Uh, for those of you that know, I, I was a trustee uh, with the North American Mission Board. And the thing with the trust being an SBC trustee, it's, what you find is that you don't have to be a pastor to be a trustee for the North American Mission Board, but it just seems like everybody's a pastor. 
So, so like when we, I would go to NAM conferences, it would almost be like a pastor's convention because that's all we did. We just talk about stuff. And family, one of the things that we always saw was always the reports from other pastors about dissension, about disunity, about warring and fighting within the church. This happens. The thing that I think is really odd is remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about how there was going to be a, a, a battle within our lives where we're wrestling with the sin nature. But how we know that the Holy Spirit is really working within us is when we're winning more than we're losing, right? Remember that? And it just seems kind of odd when you talk about that and you talk with pastors and, and, and I would ask them certain questions about things. I would ask them that, you know, are you guys winning more than you guys are losing? And he's like, no, we're pretty much losing every business meeting. Every business meeting. It's such an effective thing. And conflict, in a lot of times, in a lot of ways, and some of you could attest to this stuff, right? And a lot of times, and we got, we got pastors, we got older pastors' kids here, you know? And you saw what your dad went through and all this stuff. Why is it that when it comes to the church, everything has got to be a fight? I mean, seriously. Does it really have to be this way? Why is it always coming down to this stuff? I got to tell you this story. It's such an effective thing, and conflict becomes normative in the church. I want to tell you a story about one uh, SBC church. I'm going to just be honest. An SBC church in Hawaii that I, was, I had to be a part of a, a, a conflict resolution situation came to the church. But this church in Hawaii was unusually... Effect, infected with this, which I thought was just really, I mean, this is, this is bad. There's always fighting, there's conflict, all this kind of stuff, but this was something that was just unusual. They would have business meetings, and the pastor would come up and make presentations about things that the church is going to do, things that the, the church wants to do, and this pastor did his homework. He checked all the boxes. Everything was fine. He did everything that he was supposed to do, he had all the votes, he had all the approvals, he had everything, everything in writing handed out, you know, all this stuff. It was, just, it was amazing. He did, he did his homework. All the boxes were checks, and at the end, everybody was united over it. It was like, anybody have an issue with this? Anybody have a problem? Let's just, at the end of the business, it was like, whoa, we're united on this. The church is actually united on this. And then it was almost like clockwork. Then one of the elders stood up and complained about it. One of the deacons stood up and complained about it. A couple of the members started coming. And then one by one, the, comp the, the complaining was, and I'm listening to the complaining, and I'm just kind of like, are, are we really being constructive about this? Or are we complaining just to complain? I mean, it's just bizarre things about what it, what it was. Remember, remember that one time, I'm going to bring this up because the individual that complained about this doesn't come to the church anymore, but I'm just going to bring this up. <laughs> remember the time we were talking about, uh, I know Linda and, Linda and I have gone back and forth on this. We were going to do the cell tower. Is that here? Yeah, oh, I'm pointing the right direction, finally. Six years at Central Baptist Church, I'm finally pointing in the right direction. Oh, no, I'm not. Man, all right. Pull the rug from under my feet, Linda. You could have just agreed and said, no, no, you're right, you're right. <laughs> okay. Cell tower. You remember that we got into an argument because the, the cross that was on the tower was painted on it was going to be, you know, painted on the cross. And he was worried that the cross was going to fall off and hit somebody in the head. And remember I said, it's painted. The cross is painted on there. If the cross falls off, it's going to lightly tap the person on the head. I mean, and, and it was like a huge lawsuit that we were going to have because this painted thing fell off and hit somebody in the head. And then so I, I had to talk to him. I'm just like... It, that seemed an odd thing for you to say, you know, at the business meeting. I mean, what, what are we doing here? You know, I mean, we're, we're talking about painted crosses falling off and hitting people on the head, and I'm really concerned about the lawsuit that we're going to be faced with. 
It, it's kind of like that. So at this church, it was like that. They were bringing up situations like this, and you're sitting there going, are you serious? I mean, are it really this? So we sat down, and we had a conversation with some of the people that were at this church, right? And, and we asked them that he did everything that he was said and all this stuff. Guys, family, you are not going to believe what they told me. They believed that unity is a bad thing. We are not doing our job unless we make sure there's conflict. Family, I, I'm sitting here and I couldn't believe this. I kid you not, this is not a struggle. This is honest to God truth. They did not believe they were doing their job unless they brought conflict into the situation. I would ask some of the members after that. I'm just been like, yeah, are you guys concerned about what happens at your business meeting? Why every single business meeting you have, there's a fight, there's conflict over just bizarre things. And people would say, yeah, but you know what? We, we've just come to the place where we didn't have a good business meeting unless there was a fight. So, so much so, this whole conflict, this whole unrest, the fighting, all this stuff has infected the church so much so today that we actually have churches that believe, members that believe that unless you have conflict, you're not doing your job. Now, now get, I get this. I'm not saying that all our business meetings, you know, should be peaceful and not have. Well, I mean, I am saying that that should be the case. But <laughs> I'm not saying that sometimes in order to do the right thing, we've got to fight for it. I get it. I understand. Sometimes there's going to have to be a fight. But again, they believe that their meetings were not good unless there is fighting. And I remember having lunch with the pastor of the church, and we're sitting there. He's telling me about these things. I'm sitting there stunned. I cannot believe that I'm hearing some of the things that he's saying. Have we lost the peace of Christ in our lives? Because if we lose that, we'll lose the peace of Christ in our church. And let me just say this, just in case some of you guys are on the line, just in case you're on the fence and you're wondering about this, warring, fighting, dissension, conflict is not characteristic of the church of Christ. It's not normal. It's not. And the thing that was amazing to me is just how suspicious the people were. Like, like if the pastor presented something or an elder or somebody in the church presented something and there was unity and the church was all behind it, they were suspicious that he was trying to pull something. For real? <laughs> like, I, I just, it was, it was bizarre. I mean, my, my whole thing is this. I mean, seriously, if, if I, I mean, I would say this with the church. I mean, if every single thing I did, you guys were suspicious of, well, I don't know. I don't know. Pastor Shane's trying to do something. You know, he's, he's helping, you know, he's helping little old ladies cross the street. What's the angle? What's he trying to do? He's saying he prays for everybody in the church. That's odd. That's bizarre. The pastor says that he's preaching the gospel. He's preaching the word of God. He's just preaching the word. Doesn't that seem strange to you? Nobody else is doing it. Family, if we get to that point, just boot me already. <laughs> I mean, we, we can't be in that position, right? We're suspicious. It's fighting, conflict, wrestling, all this stuff. Warring is not to be a characteristic of the church. And we can't allow our church, Central Baptist Church, we cannot have that be a characteristic of the body of Christ. Because I tell you one thing, in our culture today, there is nothing that's going to bounce people out of this church faster than this, than this unity. 
And it's, it's so bizarre. It's so common. It happens a lot that when you talk with people about this stuff, it's almost like you can smell it when you walk into a church. You know, I, would just, I, I always wonder, like, is it my cologne? Is it, like, because pastors that wear the same cologne that I wear, is that, is that what you guys smell? No, no, no. It's almost like people can smell this unity within the church. We are called to live at peace with one another. We are called as a church to rest in the peace of Christ. Are we not sure that's true? Not sure that God called us to be living at peace with each other? Let's take a look at it. Colossians chapter 3, verses 14 to 15. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Isn't that the song? I just just thought of that. Isn't there a song that sounds something like that? I like to buy the world a Coke and harm something. Anyway, that's just some ADD stuff going on. Okay. (laughs) And I'm doing it when I'm reading scripture. My mentor would kill me right now. Which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule... In your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you so much for your word. And we pray that your word will transform our hearts and that you will lead us in all righteousness. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're taking notes, the first thing we're going to look at today is how we need to have, the, have love bind the articles of clothing together in Christ. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And then the second thing is how the peace of Christ must be, and I love this translation of the word, the umpire in our lives in all things. And the last thing we'll look at is how we must be thankful to the Lord because, come on, there's so much we have to be thankful for. Our thesis statement today is this. Though sin and false teachers and the pattern of this world causes us to be unloving and at war with ourselves and others, it is the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the scriptures that will cause us to rest in the peace of Christ that transcends all understanding and it will always guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Family, I am telling you, this is so important for us. This is so important for me. I am definitely preaching to myself today. All right. Number one, love, to top it all off. We saw last week that we had to put garments of Christ on, remember? Garments of Christ, if you don't remember, we had to put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and oh, that one characteristic, that one article of clothing that we tend to think is optional, it's called patience. And now that you got your sweet, godly, not Armani, but Christ. We got to have a clothing line called Christ. Christ suit. You got your suit on. Now you are going to put on the trench coat of love. It's kind of the picture. The last garment that we put on above all things, we're going to put it on. It's called love. William Hendrickson, he translates it this, this way. And above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Love is known in the scriptures. This isn't anything new. Paul and Timothy aren't saying anything new. We see in the scriptures that love is that thing that's the greatest, one of the greatest things in all the universe. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these, somebody take a guess. Oh, it's up there. Okay, love. The greatest of these is love. And we see in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, Galatians 5, 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. What's the first thing mentioned on this list? Take a guess. Love. All right, you got it. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. For, uh, Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 9, Philippians 1, 9. 
I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. What's the most important thing that he's saying here? Is that we continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sin. And love is that thing that holds it all together. Uh, Dr. Kent Hughes, he writes, It is possible to have some of the five recommended garments and not have love. I love this. Think about that. He says, It's possible to have some of the five recommended garments and not have love. But it is impossible to have love and not have all the five garments. It's love that holds it all together. It's love that binds it all together. It's love that keeps everything working in perfect harmony. So we don't buy the world a Coke. We show love. That is a characteristic of a Christian. Love. But shame. You do not understand that loving people is very hard. Yeah, yeah I, I, I know. Loving people is very hard. Lo- loving people is difficult. I'm, I, I, and I get what it is that we're trying to say. Because not only is it hard to show love sometimes, it's hard to show love to people who you don't want to show love. <laughs> right? It's just like, oh, yeah, Shane, I could be a loving person if it wasn't for people. I'd be really loving. Yeah, keep my family away from me, and I'll be loving. <laughs> uh, but anyway, me and Sabrina were talking. Oh, Sabrina, I meant to. Me and Sabrina, you can tell her, we were talking about uh, this book. She, she, Sabrina's reading Mere Christianity. If you guys haven't read Mere Christianity, go read it. Really good book. And I was reminded when we were sitting there talking about mere Christianity, I was reminded that there was a section in there where C.S. Lewis talks about love. And it brought, it brought right back to my memory. I'm going to read it for you. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote, Do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. I thought this was really interesting when you hear it. Don't waste your time wondering if you love your neighbor. He says, Act. As if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love him. Wow. And I think that's the, the, isn't that interesting there? Because a lot of times we're struggling with this. We're wondering, do we really love this person or not? And then we're wasting time and wasting energy wondering if we do. C.S. Lewis is just saying, do. Just do it. And you will find that when you do, you will come to love him. If you injure someone you dislike, you will find yourself disliking him more. If you do him a good turn, you will find that you are disliking him less. It's amazing. Love. That amazing thing about love. You know, and, we, and we've talked about, we, I, know, I know we've talked about this when it comes to love. I mean, well, but Shane, you know, love is that, that deep, deep, deep feeling that you have deep down inside that just makes everything good and makes you feel good. It says love is that, that, that wonderful feeling. Yeah, if love really was a feeling, wouldn't it be odd that Jesus says to love your enemies? It's amazing when we really think about this, the intricacies of love. But it's one of those things that's so simple. And one of the things that we recognize, one of the things that we realize, one of the things that we can feel, but one of the things that we can choose. So point number two, we talk about peace. Peace that transcends all understanding. And individuals would say, yeah, but peace, it's not an easy thing. Does it not seem that war is just a part of our nature? Well, think about this for a a little bit here. 
Think about it. Is warring just a part of our nature? I remember in the movie The Matrix, and I know this is a movie, but I just want you to hear this. I remember in the movie The Matrix, they tried to have a system. You know, they're controlling all the people in the movie, and they're all like, you know, basically batteries. They're asleep, and they're being deceived, living this life in this dream world. And they did a system where everything was peaceful, where everybody got along. Every, everything was good. And he says people kept waking up. People kept popping out of this stuff. And he says the machines were like, you guys are rejecting the programming. So the machine said that it seems as if people in this world thrive in conflict. You cannot live in peace with each other. You cannot have happily ever after. Now, again, this is a movie, right? But then you kind of wonder... Why did that resonate with people so much? Why? Because it comes from stats like this, from Moody, uh, Moody Bible Institute. Uh, in the personal journal, they reported this incredible stat, this statistic. It's amazing. Listen to this statistic. Since the beginning of recorded history, the entire world has been at peace less than 8% of the time. Did you know that? Since recorded history... Less than 8% of the time since recorded history was the world at peace. At peace. In its study, the periodical discovered that 3,530 years of recorded history, only 286 years actually saw peace. Moreover, in excess of 8,000 peace treaties were made. And we're broken. And did you know that of the 286 years that we saw peace, 200 of them was called the Pax Romana? Do you, know, you guys know what the Pax Romana is? The Roman peace? That for 200 years in Rome, there was peace. No fighting in the world. It was just peace. See, and this is really important. Pax Romana, the Roman peace, was very, very important. It's 200 years no wars, all everyone was in. Rome just had conquered the world, and so there was just no more conquering, so there was no more wars. It was during the time of the Pax Romana that Jesus said to the disciples that there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Do you know, that struck me as a, as a, a young kid. Like, why would that have been such a shock? Like, seriously, in our time, have you ever known a time where the, where the world wasn't at war? I mean, there's always war. I grew up, war, war, all this stuff. So why would Jesus saying there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, why would that shock anybody? Wouldn't shock me. Doesn't shock us during this time. This is a clue to help you with your eschatology. Why would that shock anybody today? I mean, Seriously. I mean, Charlie, if I said, hey, Charlie, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars one of these days. Yeah, Charlie's going to look at me just like he's looking at me right now. Uh, okay. <laughs> when has there not been wars and rumors of wars? There's just always wars. Why would that have been a shock to the people? Because they were living in the Pax Romana. There was no wars. There was no rumors of wars for years. Okay? So this helps us. But this is the, 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 the interesting thing about peace. It was that time, recorded history, all the way back then, is when we're looking at the 200 years of peace that we've had. It's absolutely phenomenal when you look at the statistic. We are always at war. There's always fighting. There's always conflict. Peace is so rare we're always at war. We're always fighting, fighting and violence. And, and we, we even come to the place where we're, we can't even control it anymore. So now we're starting to just justify the violence. We're justifying the wars. We're justifying it as if it is something that is accomplishing some kind of goal. It's even accepted by the church. In evangelicalism, it seems to be the most hypocritical when it comes to living at peace. 
Why is it that everything has got to be a fight? There is always conflict, even during time, even during the times of the riots. Did you, did you know this? Like when we were having the riots with all the, the stuff that was going during COVID, all this, I remember we had all this, every single day, there was riots, there was fighting, there's killing, there's all, all these riots and things that were happening. Did you know that there was an evangelical pastor who got up behind the pulpit and endorsed the riots? And said that these things are good because it's sending a message. It was ironic that he never told us what the message was. <laughs> I, I just, <laughs> it was just bizarre. It was just a bizarre time, wasn't it? Just, just, I just keep looking back at it. It's just a bizarre time. It's a lot of stuff that's happening. It's just bizarre. But... We're actually in the church endorsing violence that was happening within the world. That's what we're doing with the world. What are we endorsing in our own church? What are we letting go? We're just letting these things happen. Just letting this stuff unfold. Endorsing violence. But it's the peace of Christ that must be in our hearts. It's not an option. He's not giving us an option here. He's letting us know that the peace of Christ must be in our hearts. It is resting in the words and the promises of Christ. Dr. William Hendrickson, he writes this, this peace is the condition of rest and contentment in the hearts of those who know that their Redeemer lives. You know why this one really struck me? Is that's, this is the thing that I say all the time. I'm on social media. I'm watching Christians, people who profess to be Christians, and they're, they're just panicking, and they're just yelling, and they're just saying all these horrible things and, and just using profanity and all this stuff. I mean, just, wow. And the thing, the thing I just, like I told you, right, is like the, 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 person, the, the, the person who in my life when I come to the conclusion, you get come to the conclusion like that person has the foulest mouth I think of anybody I've ever met in this world. Remember, I told you the story. Yeah, it was a woman who professed to be a Christian, and I'm I'm, I'm watching this all unfold, watching this all unfold. And the one thing that I keep saying, we act as if Jesus is still in the tomb. That, it just feels like that's how we're acting. Do we not believe that Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, is alive and well, sitting at the right hand, throne of the Father, with all authority in heaven and on earth given to him? That's what we believe. Why can we not act that way? That's why I thought what he said was, it, it's resting. It's being able to rest and be content because we know that our Redeemer lives. Right? And that's why I understand. I understand a lot of the panic that we have with politics and things that are happening in our world today and the elections and all this stuff coming up. And all this stuff. And there's a lot of panic and all this stuff. And, and, but, and it's like, shame, but you don't understand. We have to do this. We got to do this because the world is going to do this. It's going to take this away from me. The world is going to do this to me. It's going to take that. It's going to take this. And it's going to take that. And the government's going to take this. And it's going to take that. And, this. and you know what I, my response is? This whole week I've been saying it over and over and over again to people who are panicking and saying these kinds of things. The bottom line is Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And I'm going to tell you right now, this world will have no power over me unless it has been given to them from above. Nothing is going to happen to us. Nothing is going to happen to us unless God allows it. So if the world's going to do something and God is saying, uh-uh-uh, not to my kid, you know what? It's not happening. It's not going to happen to us. Rest in the peace that our Redeemer lives our Redeemer lives. We rest in that, family. 
We rest in his promises. We rest in his works. We rest in the fact that we have seen him do so much for us. You know, and sometimes it's just like one of those things where it's like sometimes I pray and I have to chastise myself. I'd be praying for God. God, I need you to do this for me because it's not like I'm, you know, I, I just don't think that you're doing anything for us, you know, and you start saying those kinds of prayers and you're like, naughty, stop saying those kinds of things. God has done thousands, hundreds of thousands of things for us. And you know what the other thing, too, is? He's probably done hundreds of thousands of things for you that you don't even realize he did. Our Redeemer lives. Our Redeemer lives. Jesus is alive. But see, here's the thing. The thing I think we struggle with this stuff is because in the end, we just don't believe it. We love saying it. We love singing it. We love saying in Jesus' name when we get done praying. But the reality is, do we really believe it? Do we not believe in that gift that the Lord gave us? Remember, think back to the times in your Bible reading when you go to the Gospels. You know, and you read the Gospels. And, and, and how many of you guys love the Gospel of John? I mean, right? You, you all got to raise your hand because if you don't, then, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's naughty, right? <laughs> we love the Gospel of John. And I'm always having to remind myself of this because it's amazing how quick we forget. You know what I'm saying? It's just in, in the world, in our culture today with sin nature and all this stuff, man, it's just we're always... And, and, and there's a war. It's always warring. There's always unrest. There's always and I'm always having to remind myself of this passage of Scripture. So I'm going to remind us of the gift that God gave us. In John chapter 14, verse 27. John chapter 14, verse 27. I am leaving you with a gift. Did you know that Jesus gave us a gift? He gave us an amazing, amazing gift. And what was that gift? Peace of mind and heart. Think about that. He gave us a gift. And what is that gift? Peace of mind and heart. Because if you really think about it, if you really believed what Jesus did and the promises that he has made, would we not have peace of mind at heart and heart? Think about that. This is what I have to remind myself when I'm praying and I'm, I'm panicking and I'm, 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 I'm freaking out. I'm just like, you know, just, I'm just not going to get to my doctor's appointment in time. You know, just having difficult wrestling, you know, all this stuff, and just getting bent out of shape over all the stuff that's happening in this world. Do we not realize that my Redeemer lives? My King lives. My Savior lives. And there is nothing in this world that's going, that this world is going to do to me. Nothing that he can do unless God let it happen. My Redeemer lives. Christ lives. That is peace of mind. Seriously. So when we struggle with this, it, it, it's, it's amazing. And here's the thing. We think... They, we will get peace of mind if the world would actually just cooperate. This is the thing that gets me. Hey, Shane, I would have peace of mind if the, if the world would just give me a little more money. If people would stop cutting me off in traffic. If people would stop saying mean things to me on social media. If people would just stop having better lives than me. I would have peace of mind. We think that the world is going to give us the peace. And what does Jesus say? And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. We're trying to find peace in the very thing that Jesus is saying cannot give what I give. Absolutely. It's amazing. It's amazing. Because all you got to do is just watch the world when you got people that have everything the world has to offer. They're not much happier. So, Christian family, today, don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. 
Don't be afraid. That's, that's how we pray. And in my prayer, I'm reminded of this. This is thank you so much for the gift that you give. God, I'm going to rest in what it is that you said, what it is that you promised, what it is that you did. You are alive. You are well. You are sitting at the right-hand throne of the Father with all authority in heaven and on earth given to you. Be still, my soul. Be still and rest in that promise. I remember one time I prayed that prayer, and it was like kind of recent when I'm going through all this stuff with the album, and I was super stressed out, and it was just like, you know, <laughs> be still, my soul. Just rest. I, I don't, I, the next thing I know, I was waking up. <laughs> it was so peaceful and my soul finally rested that my body just went. <sighs> Next thing I knew, I was waking up. Oh, what happened? I, the last thing I remember, I was praying. And the next thing I know, I'm waking up. But I woke up with a peace in my heart. Be still, my soul. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid today, family. John chapter 16, verse 33. John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. It's done. He's overcome the world. There is nothing that this world can do that Christ hasn't overcome. Yet in our lives, we're still in constant war. Constant war. Why are we so unsettled in our hearts today? It's chaos inside when we don't have direction from the umpires. I mean, I think about this. I'm watching the World Series last, last night. Congratulations, Houston Astros fans. Watching the World Series. And I was thinking about this thing because I love that translation that we have about this called let the, 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 uh, the peace of Christ rule the, another way of translating that Greek word is umpire. Let the peace of Christ umpire your hearts. And I thought about this. Could you imagine what the World Series would be like with two really good competitive teams and there was no umpire? How can you play baseball without an umpire? I know people will probably say, yeah, you can. But just think about what I'm saying. How can you do it without the umpire calling balls and strikes and plays at the plate? How horrible of a game would that be if you could even call it a game? What would the World Series be like if it did not have umpires? It would be chaos. It would be horrible. That is the life of a Christian who is not allowing the peace of Christ to umpire your life. Your life without the peace of Christ, umpiring, ruling your life, is going to be like a baseball game being played without an umpire. What a mess that would be. No wonder we have the issues that we have. Again, the, the, the sense here is let the peace of Christ be umpire in your heart admits the conflicts of life. Let it decide what is right. Let it be your counselor. It's a rule. It's a command. We are to be peace with every, be at peace with everyone in the church. We've got to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. We've got to let it be our umpire. Let it say what is right. Let it say what is wrong. Let it call and, and throw out what needs to be thrown out. To surrender to this is the way we can have peace in community and the way we will have peace in our own lives. And when we have peace in our own lives is when we'll have peace in our homes, in our community, in our church. Quick, I want to do a quick, uh, quick thought experiment, right? This is what philosophers do. We do thought experiments. Here's a quick thought experiment for you. Just take a few seconds. I'm not going to check, but... It'd just be easier if you close your eyes. Just for a few seconds. Close your eyes and imagine peace. Think about a picture in your mind, peace. Just a couple seconds. Think about peace. 
Okay. Think about what your mental picture was of peace. Were there any people in them? You know that they did this, they did this, uh, this study, and the people say, the mental picture of peace, one described a field with flowers and beautiful trees. Another person spoke of snow-capped Rocky Mountains with a, an incredible alpine landscape. Another described a scene of a beautiful lake surrounded by mountains. Everyone described their mental picture in this guy's study, and one thing was common in all of them. None of them had people in it. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? Think about that. It's interesting. Uh, this, this, I'm totally doing this for TikTok. Yeah, this is a TikTok video right here. It's, it's commented. Isn't it interesting that when you're asked to imagine peace, the first thing we do is eliminate everybody else. Family, this is what we're talking about. This is, this is what we're talking about, why we struggle with this thing called peace. That's why the peace as Christians that we have transcends all. The peace that transcends all understanding is the peace that we receive from Christ. And that peace is wonderful. And the reason why we have to be thankful, because we have so much to be thankful for. These articles of figurative clothing that we're, we're, we're talking about, they were worn by our Lord Jesus and displayed much love, and he brought much peace to his people. This is what it is like to be Christ and what it's like to be blessed by Christ and what it is to be in Christ. This is why we have so much to be thankful for, because we are at war with people. We are at war with our nature. We are at war with this thing called sin. But Christ came and saved us from its destruction. Why should we be thankful? Because Christ came into this world to seek and save that which was lost. Why should we be thankful? Because Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he was raised on the third day. All according to the scriptures. Why should we be thankful? Because he became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What love that while we were yet sinners, God the Father sent Jesus to come and die for us. Amen. And the promises continue, doesn't it? that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Man, that's peace, family. Everything that happens in this life, everything that happens, do we realize that all things, not some things, all things, will work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Do you realize that, that Jesus, that, or that the scriptures say, that he who began a good work in you, he will be faithful and just to bring it to completion at the day of the Lord family. Christian today, and people, people say, well, Shane, man, how do you know that, 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 that Christians are going to go you know, go to heaven because look at how Christians act today. Look at what Christians do. Look at all the stuff, the shortcomings, all these things that people are like, yeah, yeah. Because we're looking at the work of individuals. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The reason why I am confident that we here at Central Baptist Church, I'm confident that I will see all of us. We'll all be together in heaven. Why am I confident? Not because I trust in you. Not because I think that you're smart. Not because I think that you guys are, are amazing. Not that I don't think you're not you know, smart and amazing. You guys are smart and amazing people. But that's not the reason why I believe that you're going to go to hell or heaven. That's not the reason. 
The reason why I believe that is not because of you, but because of Christ. He will make sure you get there. That's how awesome our God is. Man, we've got so much to be thankful for. And not just so much to be thankful for, but family, so much that we can sit down and we can rest. So today, tomorrow, this week, when you're struggling and you find yourself at war and you can't rest, just remember that Jesus gave you a gift, a gift that the world can't give you, a gift that only he can peace of mind, peace within your heart. And remember, Jesus is alive. Our Redeemer lives with all authority in heaven and on earth given to him. Yeah. And you know who he's sitting right next to? God the Father interceding on our behalf. What a mighty God we serve. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the peace that transcends all understanding. Father, I pray that it will continue to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Father, that we will rest in you, trusting in you, trusting in you alone. Father, we just pray for, there may be some out here today that don't know you. Lord, I pray that you move upon their hearts, that they will believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing they will have life in your name. And God, I pray for everyone else that you help us to be salt and light, to shine like stars in the universe, and to live lives worthy of the calling. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. This time, if I could have the men, our, our deacons or our men come forward, and if they could uh, prepare our table.